It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, I tell you what, folks, uh, here we are in the new year, <laughs> just started out in this brand new year, and what a mess we're in in Washington, where the swamp is. But what a mess. And what do you make of any of this, Rich? Well, I'm thinking of victory in Jesus. Yeah. Victory in 2023. Well, victory in 23 for each individual person. That's right. I mean, that's what it comes down to, folks. In your Christian life. In your own personal Christian life. But I tell you what, collectively, collectively, we've got to stand for what the what the Bible says. We've got to stand are we or are we not collectively the church? Listen to this. That's right. That's just the truth, folks. Uh, now, listen, this is Bot Radio Network, and as you know, we are Bible-centered, Christian, uh, Bible-teaching and Christian talk um, radio. But it really is the truth. Advancing um, a biblical worldview. Yeah, well that's, well, that's for sure. Now, I tell you what, if you're going to be the church and really stand up and and like the country was founded on, for goodness sake. I'm talking about America, folks. Alistair Begg said, you've got to first understand the authority of the Bible. Listen to what I said. The authority of the Bible. Listen to this. Now, here's the thing, loved ones. We don't need a church in America that is moved by the world. We need to be a church that moves the world, that moves the world, that acknowledges that we are not free to tamper with Scripture. Why would I want to come up here and address these things this morning? Only because of the Bible. We started, so we have to go. We're not free to tamper with the Bible. We're not at liberty to rewrite the Bible, to accommodate godless perspectives, whether it's a godless perspective on euthanasia or on abortion or on sexuality, whatever it might be, transgenderism. And in this arena right now, at this point in the, tw in the 21st century here in America, within the framework of church, whatever you want to call church, big church, let everybody go in for the moment and think about this. The danger is an increasing danger that those who should know better are losing their convictions not about sexual matters, but about the authority of the Bible. That is the issue. In all of these things, it is all from the Garden of Eden. The evil one came and said, did God really say? Did he really say that? They believed the lie, and the rest followed. The same bullet is in his gun. 
coming to the pastor and say, but wait a minute, pastor. Does that what it really means? Is that what he really said? And those who are in positions of responsibility need to face that. If we lose conviction about the authority of the Bible, if we then become uncertain about it, then we lose our voice. If we then in turn become indifferent to the issue, then we're in real trouble. And you see, the the process is that uh, from the beginning we've been asked first to accept these things. Just accept it. And then to affirm these things. And we haven't yet reached the point where we're going to have to require these things. That's the next step. Unless, unless God moves by His Spirit, unless there is some kind of major revival on the part of Bible-believing Christians, loving those who are lost, teaching the Bible clearly to those who are willing to listen, then I don't think it's—but it's only a matter of time before the requirement will be there. And every major revival begins with a movement of prayer. Um, We need to pray for America. Just take this program, the next few minutes, of the complete story, and ponder this as you're comparing what's been happening in Washington. Now, it isn't the last few days, for goodness sake, trying to elect a, uh, a Speaker of the House, as confusing as that is, and as uproarious as it is, it's been happening. Well, I'm an old man, but I'll tell you, it's been happening at warp speed for the last 30 years. Did you hear me? I didn't say the last three years. I said the last 30 years. It has really been happening. Starts with the attack on the family. And the family is right out of the Word of God. It attacks on marriage. What is marriage? It's right out of the Word of God. Now, Adrian Rogers, Adrian Rogers said these words uh, before he went home to be with Jesus in one of his wonderful, wonderful sermons. Here it is. On July the 4th, 1776, there was signed in the city of Philadelphia a Declaration of Independence. And that marked the birth of this nation. But what we often forget is that the Declaration of Independence was at the same time a declaration of dependence upon Almighty God. The Founding Fathers never believed in the separation of God and government. But I must tell you today, with a broken heart, that America is sick because she has forgotten God. Don't get the idea because we sit here in an air-conditioned, upholstered auditorium that everything is just fine. It is not. It is not. People say, is God going to judge America? Look around. We see the erosion of moral values, sexual permissiveness, the parading of perversion, the continued disposal of unwanted children, the breakup of the family, consuming obsession with self and material goods, explosion of crime. There are enough Christians in America. If they will wake up and do right, many of us may sit in our church and think, well, I wonder if those old sinners in America are going to get right with God. And we we look around at the abortionist and the liquor dealer, and we look around at the sexual pervert, and we say, I wonder if they're going to get right with God. Do you know what a church steeple is? A church steeple is something supposed to point us to God. Have you ever noticed that the closer the steeple gets to the top, the smaller it gets? The closer we get to God, the more we realize how insignificant and how sinful we are. Stop pointing fingers. 
Bow the knee before God. Get right with God. Don't worry about the man to your right or the man to your left. You want a revival? Draw a circle on the floor. Get inside that circle and say, God, begin a revival inside this circle. You know what is wrong in America? We're not seeking the face of God. We're seeking the hand of God. Revival is when God can smile upon us, when God can find favor in us. Do you think that God can smile at America today? No, God says we need to seek His face. Jesus Christ is not the white man's Savior, the black man's Savior, the yellow man's Savior, the western Savior, the eastern Savior. He is the Savior of the world. Not only is God our only hope, God is our biggest threat. And the nation that was born in 1776 must be born again or we will join the graveyard of the nations. Now ask ourselves this question, what about the generation to come? What about America of tomorrow? What will it be like if we fail to turn to God? What will it be like if this generation does not say enough is enough? Uh, you know, Rich, when that man, Adrian Rogers, was alive, God used him to bless my heart. And God is still using Adrian Rogers to bless my heart because he speaks out of the Bible with clarity and absolute truths. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, it isn't because he was a Baptist. The Baptists have their problems. And the Methodists, my word, look at the problems they've got. And man, the Catholic Church right now is torn up one side and down the other. It has nothing to do with that, folks. It's the B-I-B-L-E and what it means to you. Alan Jackson has something to say about that. Um, from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when do we carry him on Bot Radio Network, Rich? Every day. And uh, interestingly, on this day, he comes right after the complete story on Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Um, at 8 a.m., I guess. Yeah, that's when he's on. But anyway, and this meant so much to me because the problem we face, you watch the debate in Washington. It has nothing to do with sincerity. Man, I see the faces and uh, of the people who are making a case for celebrating uh, same-sex marriage and on and on and on. And I'm thinking, well, they're sincere. They are sincere. The, uh, the, the anchor on Good Morning America said, well, her uh, New Year's resolution was sometime this year to get married to her lesbian lover. And um, and she was sincere. Matter of fact, everybody celebrated. So on and so forth. Now, Alan Jackson, I want you to listen to this, folks. Alan Jackson said, there are generational choices. Either we're going closer to God as a nation and reaffirming him, or we're going downhill fast. I'll leave it up to you, but here's what he said. I want to read you a verse of scripture, Joshua 24 and verse 15. It says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living, but as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. You wouldn't think that statement needed to be made. Joshua is talking to the children 
of the people who left Egyptian slavery and ate manna in the wilderness, who walked through the Red Sea when it was parted. They saw Moses come down Mount Sinai with Ten Commandments. They, they worked to construct a tabernacle. This is the first generation of people of, of the Hebrews that have lived in freedom. And now they're about to occupy their promised land. And Joshua gets them together with some very sobering words. He said, you're going to have to choose for yourselves whom you're going to serve. You see, every generation has to make that choice. You can't imagine you're a Christ follower of standing because your parents were. You, you shouldn't imagine that because your grandparents were godly people with good character that yours is intact. It's a wonderful heritage to have if those things are true of you. But every one of us has to make a consistent set of decisions about our faith. And it seems to me we're at one of those pivot points. What kind of people are we going to be? We have a nation where we have the privilege of having a Christian heritage. I know it's maligned and criticized, but the reality of the facts is our nation was founded, brought into life by people who were looking for an opportunity to, for the freedom to worship Jesus. They didn't want freedom from the state. They wanted freedom from a state church. Their property had been confiscated on the other side of the pond. They had suffered greatly and they came to this continent. Many of them didn't survive that first winter. The separatists. This nation was birthed from that heritage, but every generation has to make that decision. We have to make a decision what kind of nation we're going to live in. We'll be, we'll be a nation where Christianity and a biblical worldview shapes our values and our morals and our schools and our legal system. Or will we be something else? We can't simply say, well, that's been our heritage. We'll have to have the courage to go to the city council meetings and the school board meetings and all the other meetings and pay attention. We'll have to make sacrifices. It will cost us things, probably some friends. We're going to have to decide. Certainly one of the most celebrated, and I believe one of the greatest presidents in our history was Abraham Lincoln. His presidency was a tremendous sacrifice, and he paid for it with his life. Freedom is not free, folks. Well, his, one of his most celebrated speeches was the Gettysburg Address. I put it in your notes. It's not a long speech, unlike mine. I mean, I can squeeze his whole speech into just a part of mine. <laughs> Think of the opportunity he left on the table. The first couple of sentences, I suspect you know. You've heard them in the movies, and I hope you're familiar with them. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. If you don't happen to know, Abraham Lincoln was president during the Civil War. His leadership, the strength of his character, his integrity was an enormous component in our nation surviving that season. But in that address, he goes on to say something that I think is very pertinent for us today. In that third paragraph, if you're following along, he said, in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. He's speaking where there's been a terribly bloody battle. And he's saying the sacrifice has already been made in this place. We're late to the party. And that's our story. When we remember 9-11, the sacrifices have been made. That generation of people, those people that ran towards those towers, those families that overcame that loss and that heartache and that devastation. We're 20 years on the other side of that, but we still have challenges. And what kind of a nation are we going to leave? What's our heritage going to be? Flashy posts on Facebook or social media? How are we going to be defined? Lincoln went on to say, it's for us, the living, to be dedicated to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It's rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, 
that from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. See, it isn't just that we had freedom. Every generation needs a new birth of freedom. Folks, it's our assignment. We've hidden from this for too long. That the government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. Lincoln understood it was a very fragile thing. And it's every bit as fragile today. I believe we need to regain our sense of national pride. I'm opposed to those who criticize our story and our outcomes. I believe they have an agenda, and to be candid, they're deceptive. We're a nation that emerged from a desire for religious freedoms. William Bradford, the separatists, the Puritans, and others. I'll give you a couple of examples. It was 1782, the United States Congress, the U.S. Congress, voted this resolution. I quote, the Congress of the United States recommends and approves the Holy Bible for use in all schools. Congress voted that. That's our heritage. We celebrate the heritages of all kinds of peoples. We're told that the heritage of a person has to be celebrated, recognized, treated as valid, no, how different, no matter how different it may be from ours. Why would we, as Christ followers, relinquish the heritage that is a clear part of our history? Amen. Don't go quietly into that dark night. Now, that was 1782. Every generation has to make their own choices. In 1963, some of you remember what was going on in 1963. There were revolutions afoot. Sexual revolutions. 1963, the Supreme Court ruled that the Bible reading was outlawed as unconstitutional in the public school system. And the court offered this justification. I quote, if portions of the New Testament were read without explanation, they could and have been psychologically harmful to children. It's laughable, but it's not funny. Generational choices. We were busy with other things. We were distracted. The church was distracted. It's the business of the church. Did you know that of our first 108 universities founded in America, 106 were distinctly Christian? 106 distinctly Christian. The first one was Harvard University. It was chartered in 1636. The original Harvard student handbook, rule number one, was that students seeking entrance must know Latin and Greek so that they could study the scriptures. I quote from the handbook, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well. The main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, John 17, 3. And therefore to lay Jesus Christ as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. And seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom, let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek it of him. Proverbs 2, 3. Harvard Student Handbook. Every generation has to make a choice. What are we going to choose? Jefferson put it into words so beautifully in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. But among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At the signing of our Declaration of Independence, when there were lives on the line, they were leading a real insurrection. I was somebody with a fur vest and horns on his hat. They recognized the right of a creator 
and the rights that come from that creator. Folks, the government isn't the one. They don't give us freedom. God gave us freedom. Every generation has to make a choice. Every generation. Parents, you have to train your children to make a choice that will secure their future. You can't secure it for them. You can't take the pain and difficulty out of their life, but imagine they'll have the courage or the stability to make the choices that will let their freedoms persist. We have a uniquely beautiful nation, mile upon mile of beautiful beaches, great lakes, majestic mountains, the Rockies, the Grand Tetons, the Smokies, the Ozarks. We have vast deserts, great plains, beautiful forests. God has blessed America. We have enjoyed freedoms and liberties that most have only dreamed about. I have traveled a good bit. And our experience in this nation, I assure you, is not normal. God has blessed us. We're farmers and factory workers and scientists. We're explorers. We've been to the moon. We live in crowded cities and we spread across vast prairies. We have believed in marriage between a man and a woman. And family and the importance of keeping your word. Wherever you travel in America, you see churches, city after city, state after state, historic churches, new churches. You see scripture verses carved in the stone of our public buildings, public monuments honoring our faith and values. It's our heritage, but every generation has to make a choice. We're a creative, innovative people. Our values have enabled that innovation. They didn't come from a vacuum. They came from a value system, a worldview. Alexander Graham Bell, Henry Ford, George Washington Carver, Garrett Morgan. Bet you don't know him. He gave us the three light traffic signal. (laughs) You should pray for him every time you're sitting at one of those lights. We put men on the moon and the Hubble telescope in space. We built railroads, ships, rockets, and jet engines. There's some unique inventions to the U.S., I picked my favorites, chocolate chip cookies, (laughs) dental floss. So let's go down in history for inventing dental floss. Hey, hearing aids, cardiac defibrillators, radiocarbon dating, traffic lights, crash test dummies, microwave ovens, assembly lines, the laser, chemotherapy, video games, email, transistors, the internet, all from the creativity and the innovative innovation of Americans. We're builders. We build bridges from the Golden Gate to the Brooklyn Bridge to the Seven Mile Bridge through the Florida Keys. We build buildings, the Empire State Building, the Gateway Arch in St. Louis, and the Space Needle in Seattle. We build space shuttles and space stations. We built Disneyland and Disney World. We build Ferris wheels. It's an American invention, by the way. We built a personal computer and cell phones. We're warriors. We've stood for freedom and liberty for more than two centuries. From the beaches of Normandy to the jungles of Vietnam or the deserts of Iraq and Afghanistan, our Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines have stood the test. Our firefighters have been on call from the Great Fire of Chicago to the World Trade Center on 9-11. Our police officers have protected and served this nation with sacrifice and honor. We're overcomers. We've overcome great depressions. We've overcome our own internal failures. We have endured world wars. After winning, we rebuilt the nations we defeated. That's never been done before in human history. We've triumphed in ideological conflicts. We overcame fascism. We saw communism crumble. 
socialism. They are failed ideas. Do not fall for their deceptive promises, their lies. We've lived under the rule of law. It began with God's law. The Ten Commandments were revered and honored. They need to be again. It was codified in our Constitution. It was clearly stated in our Bill of Rights. Our laws were to protect us from the government. That's the point. Governments left unchecked will consume the people they govern. It has happened repeatedly throughout human history, and we are no different. We cannot afford to stray from the ideas which have fostered this unique experiment in self-government. If we do, we will lose our freedoms. I assure you they are unique in the world. I spent two hours yesterday inviting the people across Southern California to say a prayer with me all weekend long. It's a simple one-sentence prayer that you've prayed with me before. God bless America again. God has blessed us. He's blessed us in the most remarkable ways. He's done it repeatedly through our history. From the Great Awakening that changed New England and really put the moral backbone in the colonists to enable them to stand up to Great Britain and lead us to freedom as a nation. There was a revival in our nation that gave us the moral courage to, to take address the problems that brought forth the Civil War. Change does not come easily. We won't slouch our way to a better future. We will do it with courage and determination and strength. And more days than not, you'd rather quit than wish somebody else would take up the cause. God bless America again. Every generation has to choose. Our nation needs you to stand in your faith. Read your Bible. Seriously. Think about what it says. Don't read it as a habit. Don't read it as a responsibility. Read it because we desperately need that truth in our lives. Get your friends together and pray. Get your friends together. Have the dialogue. It's a little uncomfortable. It's a little awkward. We've turned our eyes to ungodliness and immorality for so long. Talk to one another. Talk about what you hear and see. Tell the truth to one another. Yeah. All right, Rich, that really spoke with resounding impact on me. But we got to get out of here. Alan Jackson and Generational Choices. Our listener comment line is 1-800-345-2621. We'd love to hear from you. 1-800-345-2621. This is Dick Bott with another chapter of The Complete Story with my son, Rich. And we'll see you later. 